All right, let's do some review. Words, ideas, concepts that you remember. I don't have to explain them, but do you remember them from previous? Aseity. Oh, it doesn't have a C in it. I saw it. I had to erase it off my board. Please don't make me do that again. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. Yes, what else? Aseity. So that's God's power of being. The I am. Reality of God. What else? Anthro. <laughs> Promorphism is a fancy store in the mall. No, that's anthropology. Anthropomorphism is a, when the Bible talks about God with a human body. So anthropology, study of people. So like God's strong right arm delivered Israel from Egypt or the eyes of the Lord moved to and fro throughout the face of the earth. God's a spirit. We know that he doesn't have a body, but when the Bible describes him as that, that's an anthropomorphism. It's a fancy theological word for making us understand God in terms that we can grasp. Him having a body, eyes, things like that. What else? What's that? Immutable. Immutable. Oh, I thought you said Beelzebub, and I was like, no, that's coming later. <laughs> Beelzebub. No, that's, the, that's Satan. That's the wrong guy. Immutability, which means what? Not changing. God never changes. Unchanging. What else? Yes, omnipotent. You may have heard it as omnipotent, but potent makes us think that's power. He's all powerful. And then transcendent. What is transcendent? Anybody? Yes, that he can. In a sense, transcends our experience. He's above, beyond. It is, huh? This is a transcendent brisket. It's almost blasphemous right there. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. What else? Any more? Let's get a couple more. Get our juices flowing. Otherness. Yeah. So, so lay that one on us, Paul. Yes. Yes. So that, that otherness, we openly steal from R.C. Sproul. That's kind of he coined that, at least for the modern day Christian, talking about his holiness. So God's holiness, it can refer and does refer at times to his moral purity, like complete moral purity, righteousness, that kind of thing. But his holiness is also the otherness, meaning that he's completely other than us, outside of us. We, we live in a context where we talk so much about God being so near, and he is, but we do that to the exclusion of God being other and above and beyond and transcendent. So the otherness of it, the thrice holy nature of God, the only attribute of God that's repeated three times in the Bible, and it's the angels in Isaiah 6, also in Revelation, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And nothing else is ever repeated like that. It's never love, 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 wrath, 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 justice, 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 mercy, mercy, mercy. No, it's only Holy, holy, holy. All right, one more. Self-existent, self-sufficient, totally independent. Yeah, self-existent, 
sufficient. Totally independent. We're going to talk about some of that tonight. All right. All right, so jumping into it. What, somebody has something? No? Just the wind. All right, so what we looked at the past two weeks was paragraph one. We're going to look at paragraph two tonight, and we're going to go lightning fast to get through it because we've got to do paragraph three next week, and then because we're all summertime coming after that. So paragraph one was God, in a sense, as he is, who God is, his attributes, and uh, explaining him and characteristics. I mean, all of these things that we've looked at. And the second paragraph of the confession, what we're going to be looking at is, is we're going to have, we're going to understand God in relation to us. How, how we, can, we can understand God by knowing what he's not, because we know what we are so clearly. So comparing him to us by seeing what he's not. That's kind of what paragraph two is going to be about, is going to help lay out for us to see these things. There's inevitably, in a topic so big as this, there's a degree of overlap between paragraph one and paragraph two, because in order to explain a lot of these, we have to talk about other things and bring in other ideas and other topics. So there's going to be some overlap, but we can't ever know this too much or too well. So with that, let's look at the first chunk of the confession, and then we'll read some verses. God, having all life, glory, goodness, blessedness in and of himself, is alone in and unto himself, all sufficient, not standing in any need of any creature which he has made. All right, so let's look up the first verse. It goes with the word life, John 5, 26. Somebody get there and read that. Then we'll look up glory and goodness. John 5, 26. Somebody get there and just read it out. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. What does it mean that God has life in himself? Life comes from him or he is a living God? Right, so both are true, right? So he's a living God, but life in himself, meaning that all life springs from him, which would connect to self-existent and self-sufficient, right? He has life in himself, and there's just a straight-up verse that says, the Father has life in Himself. The Son has life in Himself. It's, they're not derivative of any other being. We only have life as it's been given to us. Our, our life has to be sustained by outside forces. If I don't eat, if I don't exercise, if I don't breathe right, I don't have life. That God is not bound like that. He has life in and of Himself. All right, so the next one is glory. In and of himself. Psalm 148, 13. So let me read that. Psalm 148, 13. Let them praise the name of Yahweh, for his name alone is set on high. His splendor 
is above earth and heaven. So splendor uh, is translated glory, other translations, but that's the idea, same, same concept. He has all glory in and of himself. So if he has all glory in and of himself, <coughs> does he need us in order to be glorified? No. He did not. Allah needs worshipers in order to be glorified. Yahweh does not. He has all glory in and of himself. He exists in glory. And he's Trinity, so he has glorification happening all the time. All right, next. Goodness in and of himself. Goodness and blessedness. Let's look at Psalm 119.68. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Let's camp on goodness a little bit. What does it mean that God is good? I mean, that plain verse right there, you are good and you do good. What, is, what does the word good typically mean in average American vernacular? Obedience. Good kid. Yeah. Above yeah. average. Above average. Right. Yeah, it was good. It wasn't terrible. Moral. Moral. Yeah, he's a good girl. She's a good girl. He's a good guy. Yeah. Pleasant. Pleasant. Right. But what does Jesus say to the rich young ruler when he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why did Jesus say that to the rich young ruler who called him a good teacher? Because he's more than a good teacher. More than a good teacher? What else? Probing, yeah, that's, that, that's the, the end crux of the whole interaction between him and that guy, yeah. That, so the rich young ruler has no idea Jesus is God. He just thinks he's a great prophet. And he calls him good. And Jesus says, meeting him where he is, you think I'm just a man. No man is good. Only God is good. Sinless? Right. So, what we need to be grasping is that our understanding of goodness, when we read Psalm 116, 68, we shouldn't gloss over that. You are good. See, none of us are good. We can behave good sometimes, but we are not good. That's not, that's not a part of our essence, the, the I am of us. We can be good but God is good. No one is good but God alone, said Jesus to the rich young ruler. So that goodness, we, we, uh, it's kind of like the word awesome. Like it just gets, I mean, there's a Lego movie where everything is awesome. Everything is not awesome. Only God is awesome in the Bible. But we just, we diminish all superlative words. So goodness is one to reclaim because only God is good. This is what Sproul said about himself, about goodness. He said, goodness is not just a quality of his behavior but an attribute of his essence or being. So it's not just something that's a quality of his behavior. God acts in good ways. It's an attribute of his essence. He can only be good, and he's always good. So he's just as good in punishing, just as good when he's punishing sinners in hell forever as he is in saving the lost and bringing them to glory forever. He is good. Everything he does is good. And when we read the scriptures, sometimes, especially when we're talking to kids, we're like, yeah, that was God having to be really mean to because Ananias and Sapphira lied or Nadab and Abihu offered strange fire. That's still God being good. 
because he can't not be good. He always is good. So then it goes to next. We're going to keep we're going to keep cruising. He is alone or is alone in and unto himself all sufficient. All sufficient, not standing in any need or in need of any creature which he has made. So let's read that. Psalm 50. 50 verse 10 through 12. Yep, I added that one in. I was wondering what that asterisk meant in my notes. 50? That's what it means. Psalm 50, Psalm 50, verse 10 through 12. This is, I added it in. Don't tell the dead Puritans that wrote the confession. Don't tell, don't you tell Hercules Collins. 50, 10 through 12. 50, 10 through 12. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills, I know all the birds of the earth, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, So let's roll down some just what does it mean that God needs nothing? What does that mean? Let's write out a few. He's all sufficient. What, what consequences? God needs nothing. Let's think, just let's think through that. Why should it not bother us that God does not need us? Creator does not need the creation. Yes, absolutely. It's for our sake. Yes. So, he, like that glory is is good for us to give. So instead of what what Israel is always falling into is this is begrudging me having to go to the temple and give the sacrifices. Ugh, such a burden. They have no idea what was the Sabbath for. They never kept the Sabbath ever. What was the point for? It was for you. The Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You would not do it. It was for you. And God didn't need a pile of burned up animal carcasses. 